after the ministry of the word, we'll sing from hymn 85, stanzas 1, 2, and 3. I'll encourage you to have that passage open, Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 1 to 4. That will be our focus for this afternoon as we look at Lord's Day 39. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, there's a day that's marked on the calendar, on the Japanese calendar, called Aging Day. This is very much part of the this, this particular Asian culture, especially with the aging population, Japan having one of the highest populations of elderly people. They, they honor their aged and care for them. What about honoring our father and mother? What does the word of God say about that? Well, that's why the words of this text are so vital. After addressing Christian husbands and wives in their new walk, Paul deals with the family. He's not just addressing anyone. He's speaking to Christian parents and their covenant children who are both in relationship with Christ. Just like in the context of our catechism. Because remember, we're, you're, you're in the gratitude section of the catechism. How do you show your thankfulness to God for his grace? By living lives of obedience. Therefore, this is what he says. He doesn't give long speeches. Paul just says it very simply. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Remarkable economy of, of words, just very short and to the point. So let us consider them this afternoon under the theme filial obedience, and fatherly nurture. And we'll do that with two points. First of all, a word to children, and then secondly, a word to parents. Well, first there is a, a word to children. This is for you, children. Hope that you've got your listening ears on today. The Bible isn't just for adults and teenagers, it's, it's for you too. That's why you're sitting here today. That's why this passage is here. When he wrote this letter, the Apostle Paul knew that it would be read in the church and children would be there. It would have been, a, it would have been, it would have been shocking if all the children had left the service and were not there. The Word of God is for you. Preaching is meant for you. And so here is the word of God, a word to children. Basically, there are three things that are spoken of here. First, there is an obligation. And we find that in the first verse, it says, children, obey your parents. That's pretty straightforward. The verb that Paul uses to express this is a picture word. It comes from the root to hear under, to Listen as someone who places himself or herself under, not over, under what is being said. Filial obedience means exactly that. Filial pertains to a son 
or daughter, what is expected of them. If you're a child, you're called to obey your parents. You're to be under them, not above them. And to give a really clear example of this, think of Jesus as a young boy. We have snatches and clips of his early life. We read in in Luke chapter 2 that he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Remember the time that he was in the temple with the teachers of the law. They were amazed at, at his wisdom and that he, what he already knew actually, at the age of 12. He had more understanding than all his elders. His parents came to find him. He had to gently remind his parents of his relationship to his heavenly father. But did Jesus ever put himself above his parents' authority? Did he ever place himself over them? He could have. He knew more than Mary and Joseph. They were sinful parents. He was a, he was a perfect, sinless child. But he never did. The Bible specifically says in Luke chapter 2, verse 51, that he was subject to them. He was submissive. Now, if that's true of Jesus' children, that he was under his parents, shouldn't that be true of you? That's what God explicitly expects. But that's not easy, is it? It's not easy to say no to our kids when we live in a generation where there are more toys on the market in North America than food in some countries, where seven Lego sets are sold each moment or each second on the internet, and where parents are terrified to say no to their children to avoid a temper tantrum. There's a reason why obedience is hard. It's because our children aren't born like Jesus was. Separate, perfect, undefiled. They're cute, cuddly, wonderful to hold in our arms. And yes, it's special to have them, but they're depraved. They're, they're selfish. They're obvious. That's obvious just because of the way things we, we, the, way that we, the way that we observe things in the home. They scream for their own needs. They don't share any sympathy for others. They only care about their own needs. When they come into the home and begin to grow up, we don't simply coddle them so that every time they want a toy or every time they, they want their way or every time uh, they don't listen, we give in and we say yes, yes, yes to their every wish. We need to say no. We need to expect obedience from them. If they don't obey, then they are required to be disciplined. It's not an easy thing to deal with, and it continues to be something we're called to do as parents, but it is our God-given calling. Children, though it doesn't come easy, though it goes against our sinful nature to be submissive, it's not at all negative. Think of the very special word that is here. If you obey your parents, it's not only going to make your life more pleasant and enjoyable, It's going to be a witness to the world. When you're in the grocery store with your mom and people watch your behavior, see the way that you act, 
They're going to say, what makes that family so well-behaved? Why do these children... Why, why do those children have... What do those children have rather that my children don't have? And it may even invite questions. Hopefully when your mom and dad are asked about their family, they'll have the boldness enough to say it's because Christ is the head of our home. It's due to the grace of God. And we live by that grace in training our children to obey their parents. This is an obligation. Children must obey their parents. But there is a qualification. Children are to obey their parents in the Lord. This is a difficult area. because Sometimes a Christian child can have a, a non-Christian parent who is irresponsible or immoral. Sometimes a child may receive evil guidance from non-Christian parents that goes against the will of God. It's true that a child, while he remains a child, owes obedience and honor to a parent, even to a non-Christian one, except, of course, when it's contrary to the law of God. But Paul here is addressing Christian parents and their covenant children. They both have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Children, you have to do everything to the glory of God because your relationship with your parents is based on a relationship with a triune God. You're to obey your Father in heaven by obeying your Father on earth. That's why the Catechism says to us this afternoon that honor, love, that we are to honor, love, and be loyal to our Father and our Mother. That's how it works. God trains you through your parents. He looks at your attitudes. He looks at your hearts and how you respond to them. Your attitude to them reflects your attitude to God. And sometimes that can be hard, especially as the teen years come around. Some rules just don't make sense. They seem to be unnecessarily constraining. Young people, if you don't understand why there are certain rules, ask your parents. Ask them respectfully. They may give a biblical reason. They may have a certain guideline that they want you to follow. Again, but, the, but then again, they might even say to you, son, I'm not quite sure exactly how to answer that question. I can't turn to a certain verse in the Bible. I can't, ex I can't turn to a certain portion of Scripture for you. But I think it's the better part of wisdom for you not to do this. And if that's what they say, then listen to their advice. Follow their wisdom. For this is what, this is what pleases the Lord. This is why he's given you Christian parents to help you and to guide you. And that moves us to the third area that Paul addresses here. The motivation behind this obedience. For this is right. In other words, this is how the Lord intended it to be. If you go against this word, children, it's going to be hard for you. Because when you do what your parents say, when you esteem them highly, there's a reward. There's a blessing. The fifth commandment is the first of all commandments to spell that promise out for those who obey it. That it may be well with you and that you may enjoy a long life here on earth. Now that's not a 
That's not a blanket assurance that every individual who honors his parents will live longer than someone who doesn't. But it does mean that you're going to be protected. You're going to be safe. If your dad is like the Proverbs dad and warns you against having, uh, warns you against heavy drinking or having an immoral relationship, do you think you're going to live a long life if you don't listen to that? Probably not. It's not going to be a happy and a fulfilling one. But if you do listen to them and respect their wisdom, you're going to be on the right track. And so when is the last time you honored your parents? Do you joyfully submit to them and their rules, even if we don't always, even, even if we don't always agree? And how about your parents in their old age? Honoring parents is not just limited to young children. We all respect to them when they grow older. We should visit them and make sure that they're cared for later on in life. Do we do that? Do we take care of our aging parents without grumbling and complaining? Do we ever consider their feelings and desires? Do we think about our aging parents, what they have had to put up with us when we were younger? How about others who are in authority over us? Pastors, elders, teachers, managers, supervisors, prime ministers, judges, and police officers. Do we honor them as we should? Because that's also what the fifth commandment is about. It broadens out to these other positions of authority in our lives. Are we giving honor to whom honor is due? Honoring our leaders in the church? Employees honoring employers? As citizens, do we honor governing authorities? Are we patient with their shortcomings? Do we give glad respect to them? This is a life lesson for all of us, no matter what stage of life we're at. But the word to children here is, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor them for your good. So that is the word to children that we find here within this passage. And that brings us to our second point, which is a word to parents. And of course, this brings a question. Since Paul tells children to obey their parents, why does he go on to address fathers? Why not mothers? Why not both parents? Well, this passage is not excluding the role of parenting for both mother, mothers and fathers. It's not excluding mothers. But there is a definite reason why elders, or why, why fathers rather, are being addressed. It's because a father is the head of the home. He's to be the manager of his own household. To be perfectly frank, the reason why this verse addresses them is because a father can make or break his family. We have a calling under Christ not to live by the flesh and to serve self, but to live for the glory of the Lord. A father is to put off himself, and instead he needs to live by grace, and he has to put that grace in action. In a word, a father is to imitate our father in heaven. 
And certainly that means that we fathers have a tremendous amount of responsibility. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, for example, the father is singled out as the one who is to give answers to his children when they ask questions about the faith and about salvation. But that responsibility also falls in the area of how we treat our children. Instruction isn't only by words. It's through our actions. It's through our lifestyle. It's through our care. So the first word to fathers is, fathers, do not exasperate your children. The parallel, the parallel passage in Colossians, Colossians chapter 3 is, do not provoke to anger lest they be discouraged. We might say, don't let the wind go out of their sails. Or as the um, J.B. Phillips translation puts it on this verse, it translates this, ver this verse in this way, fathers, don't overcorrect your children or make it difficult for them to obey this commandment. Just think of the number of ways that parents can obscure their calling to faithful parenting instead, and instead provoke their children. For example, you can have the controlling parent or the angry parent. This parent is overly authoritarian. They use angry words in a harsh tone, an ugly tone, a voice to bully their children into behaving a certain way. Often they lord it over their children instead of lovingly leading them. It's very difficult for a child to be under that kind of a situation where there is a lack of love. Over time, the child is very likely to lose heart. And then there's the exaggerating parent. These parents think and talk in terms like, you always do this and you never do that. Instead of dealing with each individual matter separately, they lump everything at once into a conversation. And the result often becomes something that's not true. It provokes the child, distracts their focus of what they've done wrong. Sweeping exaggerations can only exasperate. Paul wrote to Timothy with instructions to be correcting his opponents in what way? To do that as he says there, with gentleness, not with exaggeration. And then there's also the must-be-perfect parent. They promote a standard that's impossible to meet. They're like the, the Pharisees that tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move even a finger. And there's also the why-can't-you-behave-like-your-brother and why can't you get better grades like your sister parent? Children can be widely different in personalities and their strengths and weaknesses. Children need help and guidance from their parents for their weaknesses, but also their encouragement. And we need to always be speaking the truth in how? In love. Comparisons are not the way to go. No one is perfect before the Lord, and only God is perfect in his perfect love and righteousness. And then there's the proud parent. The proud parent will not admit when they're wrong. If their child dares to tell them that they're wrong, the child is severely scolded or punished for not honoring their parent. A proud parent lives a hypocritical life. 
The message to the child is loud and clear. Do what I say, but don't do as I do. What then is the antidote to the problem of a parent who provokes? Well, the antidote to provoking is love. We're to love our children. Why love? Because it's the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5 says. We're to be known for this as Christians. Also, they shall know we are Christians by our love. We read in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. Love is to be seen in the home. And it is to be directed toward our children. We need to treat them with affection and kindness. There have been so many terrible things that have been done to children. You think of the child abuse that hospitals have to deal with or that the police have to deal with. This is the mark of a godless society. Christians are to stand contrary to that. We're to shine as lights in the world. It's grace that makes the difference here. If we're known as people of grace, then grace is what marks out our families. We're not just to put on our piety on, on Sunday when we come to church. We say that correctly. What's the use of being pious in church if we can't have the same in our own homes? Too many have been harsh to their families. Too many have been too rough with their kids. There's something wrong if we don't love children. It's the opposite of the Lord. You know, the Lord himself gave us the greatest example. You know, we think of the the parents who came with their armloads of children to Jesus so that he could pray for them and bless them. And the disciples drove them away. They said, don't bother Jesus. He's too busy. He doesn't have time for this. But Jesus rebuked his disciples and told them, do not forbid them, for if such belongs the kingdom of God. Jesus knew how to treat children with affection and kindness. And conversely, almost nothing causes a child's personality to blossom and to develop with positive encouragement than with loving, understanding parents. Martin Luther once said, spare the rod and spoil the child. That's true. But beside the rod, remember to put an apple to give when the child has done well. And so there's a need for consistent parenting. There's a need for proper discipline. There's a need for encouragement. But most of all, there is a need for Christ, for his forgiveness, for his grace and wisdom, and for a humble spirit. So the positive side of this is found in the second half of verse 4, where it says, bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. The phrase bringing them up comes from the word for nurture. And nurture has to do with the way that a person cares for his own body. And that's, thus it is, is caring as a Christian father for your sons and daughters who've been given to you. It's this caring that's needed. Just as Christ, the bridegroom, cares for and nurtures his bride, the church, there's this beautiful relationship that can be fostered 
training and admonition are also needed. This has to do with instruction and teaching. Probably the best place for that is around the dinner table with the Bible. And also taking out a children's story Bible with your child at night involves teaching them, catechizing them. But teaching them not just with Bible stories, but with our lives. Do our children know what it means to repent of their sins and find forgiveness in Jesus Christ? Are they able to resist sin and temptation? Can they look at us and say, here's a model of a Christian mother and father that I want to follow? Can they see us putting God's word to practice in situations in life? Can they see Christ in all of life through happy times and sad times? through joy and through grief, through times of crises and times of temptation. It's a hard thing to be a parent. We're in it for the long haul. And these are hard words to live by. It's hard for children to learn to obey. It's hard for parents to bring them up in the Lord. But difficult is not impossible. It can only be done by the grace that we receive in Jesus Christ. By grace, Christian parents and children have been managing to keep these important words for centuries. And that means that we can keep them as well. May God indeed Give us the power that we need to do these things by his grace alone. Amen.